0: You are listening to the Living Truth Podcast with John Cor and C.L. Mitchell. Please stay tuned to Living Truth as we engage in an in-depth journey of discovery through the discussion of God's Word for the purpose of devotion and Godly living. We pray that you would be blessed through today's conversation and that God would sanctify your heart in truth, for His Word is truth. Good evening, this is John Corr and the Reverend C.L. Mitchell coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. This is the Living Truth Podcast, and in case you are new to us, we are two friends that love to get together to discuss the Bible and theology and God and Jesus and life, and we have a fun time doing it. And we imagine that you, as our listener or our viewer... Are eavesdropping on our conversation and we love talking about God and we have our coffee or our hot tea nearby and we imagine you're listening and eavesdropping our conversation anyway uh, before we get started I want to welcome my good friend Reverend Bishop C.L. Mitchell we're in yellow today oh my yes I don't uh, think I remember seeing you ever in yellow I, I try not you're a to man of many colors y'all. Yes.
1: You're like the rainbow. I probably not. <laughs> he can pull <laughs> off.
0: <laughs> Some people can
1: pull off those colors. Well, I, I think people can pull off a great deal more than they are probably cognizant. But um, uh, this is an over literal reading of you are the light of the world. Right. probably yeah. uh, and yeah. so, yeah. Uh, but
0: He means I'm supposed to wear yellow. <laughs> I got it god wants me
1: to wear yellow i'm sure that's what the greek says the greek
0: is telling me oh man oh, well <clears throat> we are gonna have a fun time tonight normally we record during the day but tonight yes. hey it's uh it's friday night
1: yes this it, is what we do on our wild nights.
0: on our wild nights we're this is we're two wild and crazy guys yes. on a friday night talking theology whatever i mean what better thing to do
1: right absolutely you know absolutely
0: um, so anyway so we started you know a, a series talking about the the attributes of God and uh, we in the past we usually go through books of the Bible verse by verse and we've gone through Jonah and and Ruth and you can listen to those on our website at passionforhisword.com or you check out our podcast on iTunes and I think we're on Google and I think we're on Amazon Music too so you wow. can Type in "Living Truth" with CL and John Cor, and John anyway, yeah. John Cor, whatever the order is. You know, Batman, Superman. Anyway, um, but we started talking about the the attributes of God, and and uh, last time we 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 discussed the knowability of God, and wow, what a what a fun time we had, and 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 uh, if you haven't watched or listened to that, check it out. But today we're gonna we're gonna discuss a very interesting. Uh, uh, discussion or an uh, attribute of the the simplicity of God, the simplicity of God, which of course we're going to have to define and be clear on because it could be confusing and and probably new to some people. You know, because yes. you think of sim- simple, you think like dull or you know, kind of not very smart. That's that's not what we mean. <coughs> In fact, um, Reverend, maybe you can uh, help cogitate with us. Let us Just let's discuss the simplicity of God, and, and let's see what happens, because it's it's very significant, and
1: there's some great implications to understanding his simplicity. Absolutely. I'm going to start, John, apophatically. What I mean by that is I'm going to start with saying what it is not, right, which is a very Eastern Orthodox approach to theology. You're not Eastern, are you? No, I'm not. But I want to give them due diligence for their theological Tendency. Yeah, we right. respect the ancient church. Um, um, to, to suggest simplicity, here is what we do not mean. Um, we do not mean that God is easy to understand. Oh, that's true. We do not mean that um, there is not infinitude in God. Yeah. We in no manner are irreverential, nor are we demeaning, debasing, or or uh, uh, lessening right the truth concerning god because we've already argued for his incomprehensibility right so we are certainly not saying that so cataphatically or or instructionally right right what are we suggesting we are suggesting that god is non-divisible he's non-separable he has no composite parts right right sometimes if you're listening to a very um, um excited youth pastor you'll say guys god is just the most complex being guys he means well yeah he means well
0: we know that's what he not means true so we're talking let's let's speak be- now let's maybe just kind of when we're saying god is simple we're talking about his in, essence in his essence his being his being what the what of him right yes what he is his substance his essence where it's simple mm-hmm. it's not composite that is correct in other words it's not a composition he's not an amalgamation of that's right he's things. not a
1: compendium of things placed together
0: which means of course if he's not a compendium or a complex or a composition of things he hasn't been put together.
1: Right. And, Can and we so, say that? So, so what our listeners will discover in this, John, is that there are other corollary um, uh, doctrines that associate with this doctrine necessarily. Right. So, for instance, since God is the uncaused cause, the unmoved mover, since there is no one before him, no one right. who... As it were, designed him. Then there are no composite parts. He is the first cause, right? So what we're suggesting is he's altogether whole, right? Yes. So he's
0: so okay. So he's whole. Now we're talking about his essence. Mm-hmm. Let's his let's get into some scripture because we want to eventually we're going to talk about what we understand as far as the
1: parts of God or the attributes of God. Yeah, we won't refer to them as parts. We're not parts, And but we'll actually, later on, change the language from attributes, because right. that can be a little bit misleading, right. to perfections.
0: Okay, so let's, let's stick with the, the essence part, because I think we want to make sure we get that clear, you know, in our understanding as far as... Um, because obviously, you know, when, we're ta- when you know, the average person or youth pastor or whatever pastor is talking about God, well, there's different, not dimensions, but perfections of God that you can discuss. Different things you understand about God
1: that seem to be different. And they will distinguish them because that's the language of accommodation, right? Okay,
0: so yeah. So let's stick, first of all, with the idea of what, what we're really saying about, in his essence, his being uh, unmixed or this, he's not the... The sum of parts put together. Is there a scripture we can at least start off with to point to? Where would you like to start? John 4. (laughs) God is spirit. God is spirit. Okay, let's start there. So, I mean, that's the one that
1: comes to my mind. But you have a different one. Well, let's start at John 4. Okay, start at John 4. Because I think that this is important,
0: right? Right. So in John 4, of course, Jesus is talking to the woman, the Samaritan woman.
1: At At the the well. well, Jacob's well. Right,
0: And uh, let me get my glasses on, because I am an old man. (laughs) So he is uh, discussing um, the Father with this woman, uh, and they get into the discussion of worship. And he says, uh, verse 23, An hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, this father the father seeks to be his worshippers. Here is the key verse, verse twenty four: God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. God is spirit, and those who worship him. So you have this idea that God is not two
1: different; He's spirit. So let's what do we say about that? Okay, so first of all, let's do some theological terminology, right? Yeah. Um, When we are um, uh, discussing the being of God, the essence of God, um, we might refer to God ontologically. Right, and if we're referring to God ontologically, "ontos" is that root word, right? But it's the participial form of the present tense verb "ami." It literally means "to be." There's a test tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> it means to be or to exist. Now, this particular term a me, right? I you am. might see it ego a me. Uh, yeah. I am right. could be translated I, I am exist. or I exist, right. right? But behind that is a Hebraic term right, right? or phrase eheya yeheva. I will, I will be, be or I am who or what I am. The sacred name the tetragrammaton is linked to to being, and the tetragrammaton in root at its root is from a root, um, uh, hey vav hey. Right? right now, the tetragrammaton is yod hey vav yod, hey, hey, hey. Yes, but and some people would call it the vav wow. Right, but but uh, yod vav. hey vav okay. hey. Right yep. now, now the root of that is haya. So it literally means to be. Right, and it's always present tense. Right at that root, to be Right. or to exist. So the question is, how does God exist? Now, John is speaking of, he's addressing the existence of God. And in the Greek text, he says, Hatheas." Now, right. this is important. So the definite article before Theos would argue we're talking about the God. Right. The God. Numa, spirit. Yes. And so Numa is God. an apposition to this, right? So, so it's directly right. connected to this. Right. So the idea is God is, is. spirit. Now, I want to be very clear because there's not, we don't translate this with an indefinite article. Right. This is important. Right. Because God is not a general spirit. He is. God is not a spirit. Right. God is spirit. Right. Now, that's important because if you look at this, the essence of God then is spirit or spiritual in nature. Now, this doesn't mean a lack of reality. It is a lack of corporeality. He's non-physiological. Right. And so his essence is spirit. Now, this is interesting because if you consider this, one of the better ways to understand this is to compare it and contrast it with other spiritual beings. Like, for instance, do you remember in the book of Job? Yeah. Um, Hasatan is a spiritual being, right? The accuser. <clears throat> the accuser. Absolutely. Right. But uh, God asks him, and, uh, uh, what have Elohim, you been doing? Sons of God. Or, right. Right. He asks him, what have you been doing? Now, he's not asking this because he doesn't have any information. Right. He's really causing this figure, Hasatan, to admit and own up to what he's doing. Right. And he says this. He says, as a spirit, I've been going to, to- and fro, up and down right. throughout the earth. <clears throat> so, whereas... The adversary is a spirit, right. or this particular accuser in Job 1 was a spirit. He still has to go from here to there. Right. God is spiritual, so he does not have to move within space or time okay. or anything of that nature. Okay, so let's, let's, let's pause right there.
0: So in his essence, we're, we're saying he is simple, and part of that is that he's spirit, but he's not a spirit. He is spirit. Spirit. And that, as other say, other the created spirits, like you know, the angels or Satan, whoever, yes, they exist. They within exist time. within time, but there's this chaining to and fro, back and forth, here and there, right? And they're made of composite parts, right? And God's not that way. No,
1: not in the least.
0: So that, so that not only okay. So if that's true of of God being not composite, and the the implication of Him is that there isn't a a change let's say to and fro here this place to that place, or this time to that time there isn't a limitation let's say on 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 God, whether temporally or uh physically or um like there's no changes in god but there, but there's no
1: limitations in god there's like, no limitations so if we took this topically, yeah there are no extractions or additions to his character he is simple in his character so but but everything There's, but everything god is he always was and always will be absolutely there are no additions and there are no subtract, subtractions there is no growth there is no lessening he is just because he's he's
0: a, he's simple being yes but simple in the sense of the pure utmost existence existence that anyone and that's why he says i am that i am i exist i exist
1: yeah everything else has been made to come into existence he see every, is, everything else is a limit is a limitation he's not absolutely when there was no where or when now or then he is See then, so because some people they think that like there's obviously there's
0: a lot of implications for even just discussing this because it has implications for several other understandings of God, his eternality, his Im- immutability. I mean, there's probably there's probably several other words and understandings of of um, of of the fact that there's, there's no improving with God in the Absolutely. sense that he doesn't need to improve, because if there's any improvement, then there, there has to be a change, which means if there's a change, he's not simple.
1: Right. 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 Mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> well, well if, if, if you even, I mean, if you consider a few things, right? Yeah, let's, let's, let's
0: look at some more scripture let's, and, let's, and go back to, the, I know you want to go,
1: you to go New Testament well, go Testament? Let, let's, let's, first of all, since we're in this vein, uh, let's continue in this vein with like uh, 1 Timothy, right? Um, s- since God is, since God exists, right? Let, let's just go with that first, like 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's, just
0: before we go there, just, it's interesting. This is very interesting. That when God introduces himself to Moses, you know the verse.
1: Yes, Exodus 3.14. And 14. he says, who,
0: who do I say sent me? What mm-hmm. is this? What's your name? What is he? He says, "I am right." That, 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 that the foremost thing in God's mind to tell Moses is this idea of the simplicity of God: of I exist. I just, I, be, I am. I am. I am.
1: Oh, here's bad English, but good theology. I be. I be. <laughs> 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 I present. I. But that's.
0: It's interesting. It's like. But later on, later on, he'll describe himself as, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right?
1: That's covenantal. But, that's relational. That's
0: relational. But mm-hmm. Jesus also goes back and points out, he says, I am. Before Abraham was, was I, not
1: I was. I I, be. I, exist. I exist. I be. Yeah. I am. I love that. Yeah. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 13, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign the king of kings and Lord of lords. Where are you at? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm in one Timothy chapter six, verse number 15. Oh, I am there now going Here into you verse 16. Gotcha there. Okay. Who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light who no man has seen or can see. Right. Isn't that John 118? Right. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Now going back to verse number 16, a, who alone possesses immortality. Now, this immediately introduces necessarily into our discussion of simplicity why it is possible for God to be simple. Not only is the doctrine of aseity important, i.e., he is of or from himself, he has no um, one to cause him to come into existence. He is, so right. he has never not existed, right?
0: Not just, let me just say something. It's not just that he did not exist. He's not an improvement of a prior version of himself no. that, some, that either he improved himself or somebody else put him together to
1: make him a better... Yeah, yeah, there's not God 2.0. There are no gradations, as it were.
0: Oh. No. There's some teachings that have gone around in the church and the church world that teaches that God
1: grows in his learning. Open theism. This this is... Now, now what's interesting with open theism is it's so self-contradictory, right? It's self-impaling. In other words, God... Had this perfection, but so that he could be more relational and relatable to us, then he chose to lessen his sovereignty, to lessen his omniscience, to lessen his omnipotence so that he could relate to us. But then he's learning to gain what he gave up to be more relational. Right, I mean, it's self impaling. It's ridiculous. So, and okay. it's it's and not. I know we're getting ahead
0: of ourselves because that's part of the, the 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 omniscience of God. If God we'll is omniscient, he's a hundred percent omniscient. There's nothing new they can learn and grow in. But back to his back to what you're talking about back in
1: First uh, Timothy six six. Yes, so so one Timothy chapter six, verse number sixteen um, a. Who alone possesses immortality now, why yeah. is this important there 's a reason why the biblical text in Genesis one starts off Bereshith bara elohim viha aretz in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth why right? Because there are certain things that are needed for you to have time space measurement right, right. okay, so this text argues that God's eternality, since He is outside of time, right? A a non-time or non-temporal limited being is necessarily simple, right? Because He does not have spatiality or the limitations of going from here to there, or size, or height, or depth, or length, or anything of that nature. So, what the Scripture talks about, not just with the size
0: part, but with the the time part. Yes. Right? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There isn't a yesterday and today and tomorrow in God's eyes in a sense,
1: because he's already present. So God, because he created time, right. is outside he's of outside time. He's outside of time. But able or capable to operate within time. Right. So we call it this. We refer to it theologically as outside of time is his transcendence. Yeah. right? yeah. But within time is God's Imminence, right. his nearness, and his involvement. But we're talking about his, his, his. Now, his nature. So we're in the doctrine of we're, transcendency. We're, we're outside saying time now. That God is the creator of time, and so God is the one who set time in motion. And any and all creatures, and any and all creation, necessarily right. has some element of time to it. Right. But the creator himself, since he has started time itself and started it in motion, is outside of time. Right. And so he is not bound to the limitations that so, time would place upon a being or a creature. So in one sense, when we're saying that the simplicity of God is we're talking
0: about the total unlimitedness of God in, in his being, in his attributes, in, in, his whole, in his whole, in his person, in, in his, his, his essence. Person, that there's no limitation to his that there isn't the time or geogra- geographic or physicality or knowledge or wisdom or uh, whatever the you know
1: boundlessness and the infinitude concerning all things pertaining to God. So,
0: so it's so when we're talking about the simplicity of God, we're talking about something very 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 complex to our mind. Yes. Because all we know are parts. Because all we know are parts. And all we know are sequential things, where all we know is
1: a certain logic of... But God doesn't even improve on his knowledge, because his knowledge is already... Well, well, here's a a trip for you. I mean, since God knows all things, right? We'll get there later on. Right, right. And God knows logical succession, but God doesn't even have to think in succession He just knows He just knows because he's outside of time and he's outside of I have to go from point a to point b logically to get to c conclusively right He just knows Isn't
0: that amazing? it is When you' we are we talking they, no wonder it no wonder he is worthy of worship you think about there who can compare?
1: Absolutely, no. And way.
0: God forgive us for thinking less of Him, for thinking that He is mm. m- like like us in the sense that man- like to manage Him or to think. <clears throat> I love the fact that that Scripture begins with God. Yes, in the beginning, God. Not be- not in the beginning, in you right. or me. In the beginning, God. As if to say, if you want to get things right in your universe so to speak start god has to be first and foremost and primary cuz oftentimes and I I know we're getting off the ICIDY thing but oftentimes it's in the beginning of me
1: right in, in fact um some theologues historically would suggest that the apex of Genesis chapter number one really was man. That's not true. That's not the true. The most repeated term within the chapter is Elohim. Right. God is the main point. It's not what he created that is the main point. It is the creator who is the main point
0: and, of the and, narrative. And part of why we're discussing theology is, as you know, the, the best thoughts you can think about God. I mean, you, you want to elevate your thinking about God and And if we don't put him first not just in order and sequence but in order of preeminence preeminence, we have it all wrong and I think it's in, i think it's very interesting how and I'm getting a little practical now is is oftentimes our world is all it's like we're we're in beating us and not God and I think what happens if is we have to put God back where he belongs or uh, acknowledge. Or recognize. R- and recognize and where he's at. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the problem is that we have diminished. Absolutely. Diminished our under. We've, brought, we've tried to, in our understanding, bring God down where what's really needed is a realization of who he is and a relooking, if, for lack of a better word, to his preeminence and
1: his glory. So, so let's go back the, and interconnect to, this. Yeah. John, let's go back and interconnect this. So an individual says, Oh my goodness, that's very complex. What you're referring to. Well, here's the truth, right? When you're talking about doctrines like this, the question is, is it biblical? Yes. Is it knowable? Yes. But is it Incomprehensible. Yes. Right. When you're talking about God, yeah. you can know true things about him, but truly, right. you can never know him in his infinitude. Right. So you are always in awe of him, and this is just another facet right. that has us humbled and in awe of him. Right. That I can know he's simple, but his simplicity is of such a profound nature yeah. that it drops the jaw, does it not?
0: It. I mean, just... <laughs> Just as we're as I'm thinking, we're, we're reflecting on the wonders of God and just the the magnitude of of His being and the I, I can't even put words, you know. Sometimes you don't have the the English yes. words to describe what you're thinking of how awesome and how wonderful He is, and it's a it's a shame that. That so many times our the, the lens of our understanding has been so clouded, that we don't behold who he really is. Right, and our lives don't reflect that. You know, that's that's our that's our goal here is to sort of like let's clear the glass a little bit to get, you know, that the problem of, oftentimes is our God is too small. We're, we're, mm. we're but our God, our, the true God of heaven is so much more wonderful you know so and i'm I know we're not we'll get back into the technicalities of the uh, of the um simplicity of god, but i'm just i have to stop and wonder the 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 God who is worthy of worship and he's he that he is pure being, and that in his perfections which we'll get to they're also one hundred percent pure complete absolutely no you know like there's no one that, that's let's let's get let's keep going with our discussion i'm just i'm getting lost in, in the um the profundity of who god is and it's like it's stunning it's like when you go in arizona we have the grand canyon you know i remember taking my cousin there and taking other people in there's only one word you can say when you get to the you drive up and you get out of your car you go to the to the railing thing and there's one word that you can just say is Wow. Absolutely. That's just the, just the words that came from your mouth is, wow. And now, now multiply that exponentially with God as we're beholding
1: who he is. Absolutely. So to tersely state this, yeah. God is beyond and outside of the creator of, indeed, time. Right. And anything that is outside of time is necessarily simple. So the doctrine of eternality is critical to the doctrine of simplicity. Right. Which also suggests the aseity of God. self God can be outside of time because he is self-existent, not a composite build or right. structure or improvement of anything or anyone. He is, in the words of St. Anselm, right, the uncaused cause. So
0: when we think about the um, the simplicity of God and the um, – I lost my train of thinking the, – the, the fact that he's uncomposite he's not mixed, he's not put together, which means there wasn't a God before him to no. make him, or there wasn't, like we said, a 1.0 a and a 2.0 and an improvement, and that there wasn't any limitation or deficiencies in God – whether in his being, or whether in his knowledge, or whether in his
1: is uh, his his um, in, in his essence, in his essence, right? um, there there's no improvement in what is true. What we're saying, we're we're speaking of God as as what here, right? The what, but of God. then let us let us extend that to the who, right? God in Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is simple. Right, so that right. even though later on Christ would take on a body, right, the body, while it puts certain spatiality on him, right, it did not in any way take away the essence of his pure nature and simplicity. He remains more than just that physicality. So in, in, in the yeah,
0: so the Father. So now you're talking. If we're, if we're if we're gonna shift and go to like his. Uh, in his personhood. Mm-hmm. You know, the the what of his essence and the who or who's the a, father is simple. The father the son is simple. Right.
1: The holy spirit is simple. And in each
0: personhood is is of the same substance or essence. Absolutely. So there isn't well the father has this thing and the son has this thing and the son I mean Absolutely. obviously you know the the son Comes to the earth and takes on the human flesh. You know, there's, Absolutely. but in their essence, there there isn't a limitation on who each one is. There isn't, there isn't that they are um,
1: that ones of greater essence than another. Absolutely not. And is this not the Nicene Creed? Right. Right. We, we affirm Homoousian. Right not hamaeusian. Yes. We have no iota in the term, right? That, uh, all that just for one little, one little letter in the Greek alphabet Absolutely. made the big difference. Is the difference between hamaeusian, he is As of the of same a- substance or same essence, versus, versus hamaeusian, uh, like he is of a similar, similar substance, substance yeah. or similar essence. No. The so, Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, simple, one God eternally existing in three persons, so that we could then go to this concerning the unity of... Of the Trinity, right? Right. That that uh, uh, we are to hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God. Shema Israel. Yes. Shema Israel. Right. Uh, El echad. Right. Yahweh is one. Yes. yes. That's yes.
0: Our, our God do you is re- one. That's interesting because in, even the word echad e- 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 is is a, is a plurality term, plural term, but you have the affirmation of one God. Mm-hmm. But then you have at the same time, whether knowingly or unknowing, the 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 affirmation of the the one unity of God in yes. in, in His essence. But let's let's shift to gears just a little bit to talk about because most of us, as we when we think about God, we do think about what we call His attributes, right? Yes, we think you know God is love, or or let's say He's His. You know you can the categories typically is your incommunicable attributes or perfections and his communicable right. attributes you know so God is eternal he's immutable right you know um his his um uh or his he's love or he's just he has different um characteristics uh, characteristics that's what most people think of when we think of God right. right? So what you're saying, what we're saying here is that if the simplicity follows, it doesn't just follow in uh, his perf- in his in his in his substance and his being, but it follows in his perfections, which means that if God is a hundred percent complete in his being, he's also hundred percent complete in his perfections or attributes. So that means that God's love can't improve either
1: yes so so let me let me suggest why we use the terminology perfection here preferably over attribute um and i think uh dr wayne grudem is extraordinarily helpful and cogent in, in we love his dr thinking grudem here oh absolutely um, um, not that he would ever listen to this, but Dr. Grudem, should you? Um, <laughs> yeah. We love you wholeheartedly, and you are such a gift yeah. and blessing to the body of Christ. It was a privilege to have him And, in and may God bless you um, to to continue to live in strength and give more to the body of Christ for many, many years to come. Right. Um, with that saying, we should not think of the attributes of God as additions to his character essence. Right right so there's not here's god and then you add on love and you add on love, justice and you add holiness, on right justice. so that's that's a fallacious picture right. of god right um we also should not look at the um attributes of god um as these separable separable Entities right. where where you put these together and kind of like uh, building uh, Voltron, you get God. <laughs> yeah. You know uh, that that's that's not the the concept at all. Um, I I think one of the reasons that this is so critical because and, and and I'm going to try to be very careful in what I'm stating here. Yeah. Um. And and do this sort of sort of slowly, just so just so the reasoning can 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 be caught uh, with ease. First of all, the reason why we use the language perfections is because these are not additions to God's character. Right. These can never be lessened or subtracted from God's character. Right. They are neither growing nor declining. Right. So I prefer the language perfection because whatever it was is what it is and what it shall be. It is never increasing nor decreasing. God has not become more loving, less loving. Right. He is love. God does not have love, he is love. So it's like he isn't just good, he's goodness itself. That is he right. He isn't just love, he's love itself. And so he becomes the standard, the the, the substratum, uh the 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 moral uh, exemplar of all that is good. At the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, here's the interesting thing, however. Yeah. Because we deal with parts and portions and th- then the language of accommodation is critical sure, for us, sure. right? What do I mean by the language of accommodation? I mean, sometimes we have to speak of things almost in a lesser fashion, which aids us in in gras- grasping them, right? Sure. This is where, like, for instance, the Bible will aid us with this in anthropomorphisms, sure. right? <laughs> Anthropos man, morfao, to change. So right. sometimes you'll see scripture speaks of, of God in human language, like the finger of God, sure. the hand of God, right. the eyes of God, the ears of God, right? right. It, this is not that God, uh, until Jesus Christ took on this, um, uh, on humanity, this is not that God has eyes or ears. Right. This is language of accommodation so that by association we can say, oh, I know that my eyes do this. Ah, this is what the author is saying, Right. right? Um, and, and, and of course, as Dr. Bruce Walkie said, uh, the language of accommodation is certainly still a sufficient language because it is the language that God has chosen to sure. communicate to us. Through, right. Right. But here's the concept. When we speak of the perfections of God, even though your local parish preacher may speak of them as today, we're going to talk about the love of God. Right. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the justice of God. Sure. In the essence of God. You can never speak of one perfection without all of the perfections, since He is simple, being intertwined with that perfection. No, so they're non
0: divisible. They're non divisible. Obviously, we 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 do fo- maybe focus on one or another at one time. That's for our sake. For our sake, because we're not. Because we we can only take it. In, but sometimes, you know, what happens is, I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes I've I've. Read and heard preachers that sort of, you know, there are some groups that emphasize. Oh, absolutely! Oh, certain, yeah, we'll get there. Certain
1: yeah. so they perfections they lift they, one perfection well, above another.
0: That happens. I mean, it's like well,
1: I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm, oh, no, 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 no. I, it's important it's, that we mention this. It's because the popular um, one today is the love of God. And and so well, the depends idea what is, camp you're in. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> because true. some that's camps well it's said. the sovereignty of God, and some camps it's the holiness of and
0: God, and some is the holiness of God. Well, they're all important, but this is number one, right? And what we're saying is all of God's perfections are complete, hundred percent. And when you get one,
1: you get all of them at the same time. He's whole. So He's they're whole. non-divisible. So really, we speak of them separable or fractionated for the language of accommodation. We have to think of them sequentially. We have to think of them in a structure or an order. But right. when we're talking about God, here's an example. Right. So let me say it again negatively, right? Sure. Let's say it negatively. So we say God is love. We'll just choose that, right? Sure. But if we say God is love, what if the love of God is not omnipresent? All things are not before it. Right. So then, what if there are certain areas, like with Verizon, where you lose the signal of His love? <laughs> yeah. Can you hear me? You or, me now? Do you love me now? Do you love me now, God? Or what if God really loves you, and it's everywhere, but He's not omnipotent in His love, so His His love is not very powerful? Right. Do you see? Or you or know, what God, if God God lo-
0: wanted to help you, but He just couldn't.
1: Right. Or yeah. What if God's love is is all things are before it so there is nowhere where it is not, right? Yeah. What if the love of God is all powerful, but what if the love of God is not a holy love? Right. Then what are you being loved by? Right. What are you exposed to? So you see it's dangerous doctrinally right. Right. to speak of one characteristic. Without speaking of the
0: whole. See, and I think that's why this talking about this doctrine is so important, because right. that's
1: what you have going on. But, but listen to what John says theologically. Yes, he makes a a textual statement, an exegetical statement, but listen to what he says. Um, and this is for um, um, all camps, but this is particularly for my Reformed brothers and sisters, right? Um, Jesus Christ, says John in his gospel, yep. was full of what? Grace and truth. Wait, wait, wait. So we want to emphasize the truth, but truth without grace will kill you. Yeah. But grace without truth is compromise. Yeah. So the Bible doesn't see these as divisible, inseparable. Right. It sees this as a whole. Yeah. Why? I, I, I think
0: I I, I understand why why there's a tendency for okay, working are in. Okay, we're we're mm-hmm. fallen. We're not perfect in the sense of. Like God, but there are certain attributes of God that I tend to gravitate
1: towards. Personally. Absolutely, I I tend to gravitate towards the grace and love of God. But you graduate, gra- uh, you gravitate toward them, John, because of all of the wholeness of God.
0: Right, and I'm just saying, as as I understand, that God is is even He's loving in His grace, or He's gracious in His loving, but He's also righteous in His loving. Absolutely. And truthful and is loving. Absolutely. So there isn't I underst I understand that, but I think that the tendency, as you know, is to is to elevate one so high over the other that it's almost like this. You know, people say, Well, God the Old Testament is mean and and judgmental <laughs> and angry, you know, he's just killing people left and right. And the God of the New Testament is just nothing but love.
1: Well that's horrendous theology.
0: That's terrible theology. And it's not it's completely false. Yes. Because I can see the love and grace of God in the Old Testament and I can see the justice and holiness of God in the New Testament as well. You can't go past the cross without seeing that, right? And so I think what happens is that I don't know. It's it's like we we I, there is there's is a desire in in our hearts to want to have some relatability to God and some, you know, uh, you know, I I I can approach a loving gracious God. In my humanness, let's say, yeah, um, and the sovereign, stern, harsh, judgmental God you know that we think of, I don't want to go near that, right? And so I think there's times when we, we want to it depends what camp you're in. Well, he's sovereign., well, he's also sovereign in his love. Well, he's loving. Well, he's yeah. also
1: right in his love. Yeah, I, I, John, I don't want to be ambiguous, so let's put a text yes. to the ideology that you've mentioned in yes. in the First Testament, right? <clears throat> here's, here's a great text for that, in my opinion. Yeah. Genesis. Oh, yeah. Just before God is going to kill every human being through righteous judgment, except for eight souls. Yeah, go back to the Genesis. The Bible says... But Noah found grace in the eyes of Yahweh. Yeah. That's critical. So that when God was going to exact justice and truth upon the whole world. Genesis 6, 8. He Noah found did paper, not yeah. do it without grace. Right so so to have this false dichotomy as it were right, right. to 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 dyka, to Timno to cut to cut scripture falsely so that you have God of the first testament is this versus the god of the the transitional testaments and the new testament is this that's that's false indeed it's, so, it's a false understanding so to god. our to
0: both to our god is loving More than anything else, camp, friends, and God is sovereign, more than anything else, friends. We have to... It's like, well, God is loving and he is sovereign, but he's everything else at the same time in his his perfections
1: equally. Equally. So so that, John, if we're on the love camp... Yeah. This is where compromise happens. And even the sinner tries to use this against us, right? Yeah. God is so loving that He'll not judge me. No, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah. The the love of God is a good love, right? The, the love of God is a powerful love, yeah. a, omnipotent love, right? The love of God is a good and powerful and gracious love. The love of God is a good, powerful, gracious, holy, uh, uh, holy, good, right? Love. It, it's a it's a good, powerful, gracious, just, holy, uh, merciful. Uh, righteous. So let's let's stop right there. The most probably the
0: one that's most important scripture of all the scripture is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. Right. There's the love of God. You have the mercy, holy, just righteousness of God, and sending Christ to the cross to pay for his sin. At the same
1: verse. Well, the the text even says for in this way God loved the world. Why? Yeah. As you go on so that so that he so that you do not perish, he loved you with accuracy that would save you. Right. The scripture argues that, but then listen to what Romans says. Romans says because he has holiness and righteousness and justice, etc., it was essential that in order that he might do this properly, he might be the just and the justifier, right y- you can't separate those things so
0: so when we think about the the simplicity of God, we think about his essence, and we think about his his nature being a hundred percent whole whole divisible. non divisible whether his whether he's outside of time so suppose he, no there's no limitations of time His
1: he's so he, this extends his extends to, his to eternality
0: eternality his his nature doesn't change because if he's simple he can't improve or evolve or devolve uh and, and with the, with regard to his perfection's or attributes again it's 100% pure and all of those attributes absolutely are are at the same time present equal in the utmost way we have old testament proof you said genesis 6 verse i think it was 8, eight. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. You also have in Exodus 3, God says, I am who I am. And then 34, he says... Compassionate. He says, I am compassionate, gracious. This is God describing himself. Slow to anger. Slow to anger. That's in the Old Testament. So He's He's So there is this... God is consistent, it seems to be. Absolutely. Over... In all the scripture.
1: So, in so much as God, in his essence, created time and is out of time, and any being that is outside of time is necessarily simple. Yeah. We've understood that then in his essence. And we have now extended that, necessarily, the aseity of God and the eternality of God have led us to the simplicity of God. We talk, we'll talk. we talk later on more, more tersely about the eternality of God. But so we've argued that this doctrine is very much applicable to the character or perfections of right. God. But, John, it goes beyond that even. It goes into the spiritual nature of God that is non-spatial. Right. In other words, God is not here— or there right. we cannot speak of him in width or in height or in depth in largeness, or right. size we can only speak of him in character superlatives right now unto him that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly uh, right. above all that we can ask or think right we cannot say god is big or large or things of that nature and there are texts within scripture that clearly indicate such so let's just think about some implications
0: of this you know this i mean we've thought of several but i'm just thinking of the could it be that perhaps our you know our previous understanding let's say of god or maybe it's maybe it's just a reminder of what you've already believed about god but that it has been elevated let's say like if 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 there was an aspect of god that i i, I in my in my in my understanding, my it's it has sort of refocused uh, my understanding to say, in his perfections and in his his essence, there is no being like him in all of existence. He's incomparable. He is he is he is incomparable, and if that's true. Then it makes sense that only He is worthy of our devotion and worship. No other being can be above Him in any capacity. Which means that if there's a reason why my worship is lessened, it's perhaps because
1: my understanding of Him is not as clear as it ought to be. You know. Yes. Well, let's let's compare that in a context of worship. Okay. Isaiah six. Oh, I love that. Isaiah 6. Yes. <clears throat> so what we see is the wholeness of God, the simplicity of God. And, and what's going to really come across is the holiness, the holiness of God. The holiness of God. In simplicity to a, to a composite creature, a, a creature made of parts, right? So Isaiah says in Isaiah 6, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim, literally from Seraph, burning right. ones, right? Flaming ones, with, yeah. Um, with six wings, right? Um, they stood above him, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face. And with two, he covered his feet. The feet really represent the lower extremities in the Hebrew text here. Right. Um, And with two, he flew. And one called out to another. So this is antiphonal. They call back and forth and said, holy, holy, holy is the eternal one of armies. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now. In the holiness, they are not just saying kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. Sure. There's several things that should be said here right. that we don't have time to go through here. Um this is the thrice hagion, right? Right. The three times holy. They're just a great deal that we could we could talk about. But they're not saying that he's increasing in holiness. They're speaking to the repetition is to speak to the profundity, right. which they, by the way, even in their antiphonal adoration, cannot encapsulate altogether. Right. So, still, this is not an efficient, or uh, this is not a sufficient right. encapsulation or articulation of the level, the infinitude of. They the could signs, have gone right? on and on and on. absolutely right. So, so, and they do go on and on. By of course, way. they do. Um, um, So, so here he's holy, but one of the aspects of holiness here is his integrity. God is integrated. Right. So that he is whole, non-divisible. Right. So that he is one with what he says and one with what he does. Right. It is non-separable. So you'll never find any fractionation or divisibility in the truth of God and the action of God because he's whole In all that he says and does. He's truth in what he says because he's truth in what he is, and he's truth in what he does. Absolutely. Right. So it's not divisible. Here's what's interesting, however. The prophet, as he is in this context of worship, right? Right. As he is somehow in the earthly temple setting and is lifted into the transcendent temple by means of vision, right? Right. Um, and the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out. Now, this is interesting because this is reminiscent of Exodus 19, right. where the voice of Yahweh is calling out from Sinai. Just to pause, Sharon had a question, uh, Sharon's friend mm. had a question about Isaiah uh,
0: Exodus 19 Interesting that I just answered her yesterday.
1: Oh wow! Because Exodus
0: cool. 19 is a key chapter. Oh yes, it's where uh, Israel and God are—they're preparing to go into a covenant, right? Absolutely. And uh, and her question was: This maybe ties into was why is it that Moses and the priests, can uh, Aaron and you know Levites, whatever, can go up closer to God, but the people will be destroyed? And I tried—I gave her a long answer, but. Because you have this, um, you have this key chapter of God meeting Israel. But I said, even God made provision for Moses because He says, "I will come down and in a thick cloud I will speak to you, so the people will hear and believe." But God even makes provision for Moses, Like Moses even as he approaches close to God as God's representative for the people, God still has to cover Himself or have it where you know He's He's a, not you know. Undone with, he's, uh, with... Where he's not directly exposed to his emotions Right, right. Yeah. he's He's, you know... And so...
1: Um, now, how do we get on to Exodus 19? You, you brought up, I lost my train of thought. So, so, so when he, when the voice of him that spoke shook the thresholds... Right.
0: So anyway, it's, an, it's interesting an that you bring, that the ideas, but you have this, and the same thing happens... When God comes in Exodus 19, you have the same mm-hmm. idea that this... And the base of the mountain The mountain shook, shook. Right. and of course, the people are like, you know, you know, we're not supposed to go so far, and here's Moses. And, and of course, as you get to the end of, of Exodus, the tabernacle is built, and God's glory fills the tabernacle, and of course, Leviticus. Yeah, but and, Moses can't immediately go in. That's you how the book ends. That's my point. That's my point, yeah. is then you have rules of going, that God is so holy and so... Are utterly holy, that you can't just rush into mm-hmm. who he is and, and what he's about. You can't rush into his presence without
1: well, the, your sin has to be dealt with. Your, son, yeah, your like, lack of integrity has to be dealt with because that's why he he's so holy. Absolutely. Anyway, back to this. I, that was a little bit rabbit trail. <laughs> no, that's
0: okay. It's an excursus. <laughs> it could, excursus. You know, we can edit that part out <laughs> if you want to edit it out. But anyway, back and, to and the foundations say, uh,
1: of the thresholds. Trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke, Um, which again is an allusion back to Exodus 19. Right? You see the same imagery there. Verse five, then I said, Oh by the way, by the way, there's also this trembling that that seems to this 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 awkwardness, this um, this trepidation that also in, in a lighter illusion mirrors back or harkens back to the the paradise or Edenic temple where men realize their lack of integrity and And so when when god comes in in his presence they hide right but here is isaiah and this is a very unique passage john because normally within the framework of the first testament and when you get to matthew chapter 23 in the transitional testaments right the prophet's finger is pointed out that that's the position of the woe woe unto you Woe unto you.
0: Well, that's the and, first, the first, like, like all five chapters of Isaiah. It's like, well, because yes. the th- previous chapters have been, woe to this country and that country.
1: Right. It's an oracle of doom. Right. It's a legal pronouncement where God is going to bring about judgment upon the people, right? This is a very odd text because the prophetic finger is pointed at the prophet himself. Yeah. He says, woe is me, <laughs> which is very
0: interesting. Which means if you really encounter this God. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be
1: woe is somebody else, it's going to be the realization of... And he's not just confronted by his holiness, he's confronted by the essence of God. This is the message that's articulated, but even though the message is articulated, it's all of God and his integrity. So, so I mean, he says, woe is me, for I am ruined. Now, this word ruined in Hebrew is, is literally this concept of I am being pulled apart. right. In other words, in the presence of he who is whole, he realized his fractionated condition. Right. And notice what he says. Whereas one of the nuances of this is God is distinct. God is separate. God is transcendent. Yes. But there's another aspect where God is integral, one with what he says and one with what he does. And immediately within the framework of the text, he says, Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. What does he mean? A ritual purification. Yes, we could talk about that. But the covenantal people say one thing, and they do something distinctly different. In other words, we are not whole. We are not whole. I see my fractionated condition. I see my brokenness. I see where I am inconsistent with this holy
0: God. So you can't can't have... Now, this is significant, because oftentimes we compare ourselves with other people. Mm-hmm. But when we compare ourselves with the holy, simple, pure and every level, level God, yeah. there's no comparison. Absolutely. We get the realization of God is utterly different, and <laughs> we are utterly... We're, like, we're... It's like... We're... we're we're revealed yes we're exposed we're exposed to put a d- better word when we get the sight of, when we get the sight of this pure God, absolutely and Peter says, away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man, yes i mean it could be could it be that not only is our concept of God too small, but we we're, we're looking at ourselves and we're not looking at the purity of God. To realize who He is and who we are, and the exposure of of our not our frailty, our sinfulness, our imperfections compared to a perfect God. I mean, just absolutely. I'm just lost in absolutely the wonderment, you know, and the God help us for for God forgive us for. For the for the impurity of our worship and the impurity of mm-hmm. our devotion and the impurity of our love, absolutely. He says, "Woe is me! I'm for I'm ruined. I am, I'm a man of unclean lips. i I'm, I'm. I'm just thinking. Let it be that we." Um, that we're confronted with, confronted is not the best word, with the perfection of God, the revelation of who God is. You know, we think rightly of ourselves because we compare ourselves with other people, and we might position ourselves in our mind better than others. But when you're talking about, when you bring the true living, holy Righteous, good, loving, all of the simple God into the picture. I mean, you're made aware of of your brokenness and your impurities and your imperfections. And he's so much more.
1: He is so much more.
0: I'm just, I I need to meditate on, on just, I mean, I know, you know, in my mind, with this, with this means, but in a practical way, in a, in a way of, no wonder he is, no wonder he says, "You're not to worship anyone else but me, or no other gods before me." How, how, what, what kind of slap in his face is it that, when we do wor- worship lesser,
1: small quote gods, right? Yeah. John, I think this is a good place for us to um, pause for now, and here's here's why: because this moment of devotion is exactly where theology ought to lead you, yeah. right? If it's if it's done biblically, if it's done well, let me mention a caveat here with you. Um, this is why idols and images are so grotesquely uh, insulting, because the moment that one tries to capture summate God with an object with a chisel on the wood, you have just put limitations on he who is whole, yeah. he who is boundless. Um when we pray you know if if I were to say to you uh, John, would you please be ever so kind as to hand me that cup first? I've communicated from my mind, you know, and I'm, I'm going to shortcut some of this right but but to, to my mouth, so it's gone through my nervous system, it's gone through my brain, to my mouth, through my lips. The vocality has reached you now it comes into your ears, into your mind. Now, your mind is working. It may do this quickly, but your mind is working with the shoulder, the elbow, the wrist, the arm, the hand. Right. It takes time for you to do this. Since God is, prayer's not coming to pass instantly. It's not because it takes God time to do it. Hmm. He is our answer, He chooses when to express that answer but he's not limited in spatiality or time to bring about that answer. Waiting is not trying to give God time to do it. Yeah, Waiting is about the development of the person who is asking God to do it. This this doctrine it's, has profound implications. I,
0: I'm just, I'm, I'm as you were saying that, I was thinking about so many times when, when I'm praying and I'm asking God, I'm, and I'm waiting for God to change.
1: <laughs> right? You
0: know? Yeah. And really, in the realization, it ought to be me changing prayer in my devotional life. There ought to be a change in me to more of the realization of who He really is and how I could. How my attitudes and my life and my heart can uh, can adjust to to reflect a, a a clear picture of who He is. Yes. The only person that has to change in this equation is God, or it's me, not God, rather, mm-hmm. right? God doesn't need to change because He can't change, but I need to change. And how do I change? Well, that that comes about having a clear picture and response to the picture of God that I see, that I understand, a clear picture of who God really is. And so many times, maybe through God purposely, in one sense, delaying answer prayer or, or trying or testing or developing our faith through the time of waiting, the, my prayers become... or shift or change or adjust, uh, like like Samuel's mom Hannah, whose prayer was "Give me a child to, I'll give him back to you." There's you know there, nothing had nothing in God has to change. Prayer prayer for prayer is not twisting God's arm. It's prayer is is often God shifting. Something in us, yes. And that's just one implication of this wonderful doctrine. Wonderful doctrine. I mean, we barely. Some theologies give a paragraph to this doctrine. That's um, unfortunate. Unfortunate, and and at the beginning, I'll be honest. At the I'm like, how are we going to get an hour of this? And we're already an hour and almost ten minutes into this. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I don't know about you, but. Um, Let's wrap it up because we're gonna be long, but I'm I don't know about you, but if you um yeah, we better wrap it up quick because I'm running out of I'm running out of space. Man,
1: you're not we, simple.
0: What I'm not saying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> John, what you've just said is is true summatively. We should preach God as He is. Mm. not as people are comfortable hearing him. If we simply preach him as he is, the simplicity of God is so profound Mm. that the worshiper, if God is preached right, will not rise to his feet in celebration, fall properly to his face in adoration. Amen. No wonder that's what we'll be
0: doing in heaven, falling at his feet in worship, the proper response to, to God. Yes. Hey, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we had a wonderful that time discussing uh, this wonderful... Um, um, I'm called attribute or the perfection, s- perfection of God and uh, the simplicity of God. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, don't forget to to like and subscribe. And if you are listening, uh, we we pray that you had a blessed time. Uh, until next time, take care. And uh, God bless. Thank you again for listening to Living Truth with John Corr and C.L. Mitchell. If you would like to hear this podcast again or previous episodes, you may do so at passionforhisword.com. That's passionforhisword.com. You may also like us on Facebook at Living Truth Radio Broadcast. That's Living Truth Radio Broadcast. Again, our prayer for you is that God would sanctify you in truth. For His Word is truth.